Today's episode of A New Beginning is brought to you by Harvest Partners, helping people everywhere know God. Learn more at harvest.org. And while you're there, browse our library of free ebooks designed to help you grow in your faith. Sometimes we don't want to share our faith because we have a fear of success. Yeah, you heard him right. Pastor Greg Laurie says we're afraid of success. Hmm. We're afraid of what success might mean. There might be things that you're doing in your life that you know if you had a new Christian around, you would have to stop doing. Yeah, maybe that's exactly why you need a new Christian in your life. So you start behaving like the Christian you're not behaving like. This is the day when the lost are Believers, we know we have the hope of heaven, but some of our friends and loved ones may not have that same hope, and it breaks our heart. We want them to know what we know. We want them to know the relief of having their sins forgiven. We want to know they're going to heaven. Well, today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie provides some powerful, practical instruction in personal evangelism. He'll lead our study of some principles that'll help us show them the way. It's a good time to take some notes. Well, the title of our series is Tell Someone, subtitle, You Can Bring Others to Jesus. And we are told in Scripture, of course, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And don't be put off by facades. I know people come off like, oh, I have it all together and I don't need your gospel. They may even say that to you. They're lying to your face. Don't be put off by that. You know, as a young kid, I always wanted someone to tell me about Jesus. I used to hang around Uh, in the fun zone in Newport Beach, California. And you know what? If you go there today, it looks the exact same. Same weird little Ferris wheel (laughs) and uh, other rides. And and I would lean up against the wall and I was a tough kid or so I thought. I'd have my hair hanging in my eyes, you know, looking really angry. And I remember I'd see Christians out there handing out literature. They'd be talking to people. Here, here, read this, read this. And I'd be leaning up against the wall. In my heart, I was saying, talk to me, talk to me. And for some reason they skipped me. They bought my bad guy persona and kept walking. But occasionally someone would thrust a little religious booklet on my face. We called them tracks. They'd say, here, read this. And, and I'd grab it out of their hand and crumple it up like I didn't care. Shove it in my pocket. You know what? When I got home, I'd take those things out of my pocket and I'd put them in a drawer. Sort of like my God drawer. Anything to do with religion went in that drawer. I had literature from Christians. I had literature from Jehovah's Witnesses, from Mormons, from Hare Krishna. You name it. I had literature from them. And every now and then I'd pull this drawer out and empty it on my bed and try to make rhyme or reason out of it. I needed someone to show me the way. And sometimes we don't want to share our faith because we have a fear of failure. No question. We have a fear that someone will ask the question we don't have the answer to. Or they'll laugh in our face. Or yell at us. Or worse. Maybe assault us. But I suggest there may be another reason that we don't share our faith. And this might surprise you. I think one of the reasons we don't share our faith is a fear of success. 
Does that make sense? A fear of success. Now what? What am I like stuck with this person now? Well in a way yes you are. Let's go back to what the Great Commission is. It's to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's Mark's version, right? But Matthew's version is go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you to the end of the world, teaching them. And so I am to go and make disciples, not just lead people in prayer and say, bye, God bless, but to disciple them. What does that mean? It means help them get up on their feet spiritually and help them to grow in their newfound faith. And some of us don't want to do that because it's a downright inconvenience. Because there might be things that you're doing in your life that you know if you had a new Christian around, you would have to stop doing. Oh man, that means I can't like gossip after church anymore. That's the best part. The complaining on the way home. I've got the new believer so I have to talk about this stinking sermon. How meaningful it was to me. Oh I can't disengage during the worship. I have this new Christian next to me and they're sort of observing my conduct. Maybe I should set a good example. Oh I can't drive like a lunatic today because I have a new Christian in the car. Yeah maybe that's exactly why you need a new Christian in your life. So you start behaving like the Christian you're not behaving like. See, you're going to help them and they're going to help you. This is why fulfilling the Great Commission is not only for the non-believer that comes to faith, but it's for us as well. So here's my question to you. Are you a bridge or a barrier to people coming to Christ? You're one or the other. Are you a bridge or are you a barrier? Are you a stepping stone or are you a stumbling block? God wants you to be that stepping stone. He wants you to be that bridge. Now listen. Jesus said that we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And sometimes people cringe when they hear that. They say, well, you know, I'm not really into preaching. I don't like preaching. It's usually a negative term too. You know, when someone says something you don't like, what do you say? Hey man, don't preach to me. Preaching is seen as a bad thing. Don't preach. I don't want to hear your preaching. Someone say, I don't want to preach to people. I believe I'll just be a good example. And I believe my good example will win people to Christ. I believe in lifestyle evangelism. I'll just live it. I'll be a better husband, a better wife, a better single person, uh, you know, a better citizen. And as I live my life by a wonderful code that I find in Scripture, people will be drawn to Jesus. Well, to some degree there's truth to that. But Jesus did not say go into all the world and be a good example. He said go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying we should go into all the world and be a bad example. Nothing hurts our attempts at evangelism more than inconsistency or hypocrisy. I mean you know it won't be long when you're sharing the gospel with someone until they say this. Well the reason I'm not a Christian is because there's so many hypocrites in the church. How many of you have heard that before? What do you say? It's not true. Come to my church. There's not a single hypocrite. <laughs> my response is, well, hey, there's always room for one more. Come on. <laughs> now, I'm not justifying hypocrisy. I'm just saying that it's there. But we also know that a lot of times when people say that, that's not a reason. That is an excuse that you need to get past 
But on the other hand, we do want to live this for sure. Billy Graham once said, quote, we are the Bibles the world is reading. We are the creeds the world is heeding. We are the sermons the world is needing. Christians are walking epistles written by God and read by men. Listen to this. You, my friend, are the only Bible some people are ever going to read. They're not going to pick this Bible up. They're not going to open it up to John 3.16. They're going to watch you. And I know it's a lot of pressure, but they're going to make an evaluation about God based on you. Why? It's too much, man. It's heavy. Too bad. Deal with it. You're his representative. That doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes or fall short. But it means that we should do everything we can to be a good example. So this is not so much a choice of either being a good example or preaching. This is not either or. This is both and. I am to be a good example and I am to verbally engage people with the message of the gospel. Both and. Jesus said we're to be salt and light in our culture. Right? He said we're the salt of the earth and we're the light of the world. Now salt doesn't mean that much to us today but in biblical times salt was valuable. Sometimes soldiers would be paid in salt. Hence the term. He's not worth the salt. It was a valuable commodity and it was used for multiple purposes. One of the things they used salt for was to rub into meat to stop the putrefaction process. They didn't have refrigerators back in those days needless to say. So to keep meat for a period of time they would rub salt into it. Our modern equivalent would be you know like beef jerky. Those little bits of beef you buy for like $20 a pack or something. (laughs) So that's what salt did. So one use of salt was a preservative. And as a Christian I'm a preservative. I'm there to stop the spread of evil. So a Christian will speak up for what is right. A Christian will speak out against what is wrong. That's part of our role in this culture and in this world. Wherever you go you stand as a representative of Christ. Do you find that a room will change when you walk into it sometimes? Maybe a bunch of people are sitting around telling a dirty joke and they're getting to the punchline. And so the punchline is, and all of a sudden you walk in there, your room gets quiet. Hey, how's it going? It's good, good, good. They wait. Door shuts behind you. Then they go back to the joke. That's a good thing. Why? Because a representative of Jesus Christ just walked through the room. What's sad is when you come up and you know the punchline to the joke. Sometimes we're trying to be so cool and fit in that we forget there are advantages to standing apart a bit as a representative of God. I was working out in a gym a while back. It's hard to believe, isn't it? And um, so as I'm, I don't know what I was doing, probably eating a donut or something, but um, (laughs) some guy's cussing up a blue streak and, uh, and a friend of mine walks over to him and says, do you know who that is pointing to me? The guy says, no. He says, that's Greg Laurie and he's a minister. This guy, oh, he just stopped. Who? He looked at me and he said, pardon my French, reverend. (laughs) Is that what that was? Doesn't sound like any French I've ever heard. Now you might think that I jumped down his throat. How dare you say those horrible things? I didn't even make an issue out of it. You know why? I don't expect non-believers to behave like believers. I just know that's what non-believers do because I used to do it and that's what they're doing. And I don't want to make that the big issue and get the cart before the horse. I want to reach that person with the gospel. We'll deal with that stuff later. But right now I don't want to come off as holier than thou or 
hyperjudgmental. I think we want to remember that. We want to interact with people because we're not always the best representative of Jesus Christ. In just a moment, Pastor Greg gets real candid and recalls a time when he wasn't the best representative of Christ. It's a funny story. We love to hear stories of how lives have been changed through the teaching of God's Word, like this one. Dear Pastor Greg, back in the summer of 1986 and after graduating from college, I was certain that I'd made the wrong choice for a major and a career. Though I was a believer, I felt as if God had abandoned me. My first job out of school included an hour-long commute and a difficult work environment. It was so disappointing that I cried on my first day home. While driving each morning, I was drawn to your biblical teaching on the radio. There was something fresh and new to me in the way you shared the scriptures. Your broadcast gave me biblical truth and hope to get through each challenging day ahead. I was grateful then, and I'm grateful for your broadcast today. Thank you, Pastor Greg. We appreciate hearing how Pastor Greg's teachings are reaching people. And if you have a story to tell of how these studies have touched your life, I hope you'll contact us today. Send an email to greg at harvest.org. That's greg at harvest.org. Well, today, Pastor Greg is offering practical help in sharing the good news sensitively, compassionately, but accurately. Let's continue now with his message, The Gospel is Only Good News If It Gets There on Time. Not long after I'd been a believer, well, actually, excuse me, this is a little bit later after we started our church, and I was a pastor. And I was the weirdest looking pastor you ever saw. I became a hippie after I became a preacher. <laughs> this is true. When I came to Christ, I said kind of long blonde hair, but uh, when I started going to church, I grew my beard out really long. I had a beard going down to here. I'm not making this up. I had hair going down to past my shoulders. And so, uh, I went out to get some pizza with a friend who was a musician. And uh, we're waiting for our pizza to come. And I've always been a prankster and a goof off. I still am actually. I'm just a lot slower now. That's all. (laughs) But it's still in my heart. (laughs) So uh, we went out to get this pizza and we're waiting. And my friend gets up to go to the restroom. And uh, I'm looking around the restaurant. And I see this guy sitting at a table next to me. And I recognize this guy from elementary school. You know how some people as they get older they just look the same? They just get bigger. That was him. He's just a big version of what he used to look like. I said, excuse me, is your name Paul? He said, yes, it is. He said, I'm Greg Laurie. He goes, whoa, Greg, what happened to you? I had this long hair and beard. I go, oh, yeah, yeah, I grew my hair out. Yeah, wow. And guess what else, Paul? I said, I'm a Christian now. Are you really? You were always getting in trouble in school, lipping off to the teacher and being sent to the principal's office. Yeah, Paul, I'm not that way anymore. I serve Jesus now. And guess what else, Paul? I'm not just a Christian. I'm a pastor of a church. His jaw dropped to the ground. What? They let you become a minister? What is this world coming to? <laughs> said, oh, Paul, I, I have to tell you that Christ has changed me and I love to preach the gospel and teach the word and I hope one day you'll come to believe in Jesus. And he said, well, Greg, thank you for telling me that. It's nice to see you. Nice to see you, Paul. I was feeling very good about myself. What a great witness I am, I thought. Well, my friend's still gone in the bathroom and our pizza arrives. Then I had this devious thought. You know those red pepper flakes that they have in pizza restaurants? 
I thought it'd be really funny to cover his side of the pizza in solid red pepper flakes. So I pull out the thing. <laughs> Not even thinking about the guy I just was talking to. And Paul said, I heard his voice say, haven't changed much, have you, Greg? I felt it was only appropriate that I spin the pizza around and eat the hot pizza. <laughs> kind of my equivalent of eating crow. Oh, embarrassing. It's really a sad thing when a non-Christian has a better idea of what a Christian ought to be than some Christians have. And he sort of thought, gee, if you're really a Christian, Greg, maybe you shouldn't do that to your friend. Uh, you're right. And you know what I say? If you mess up, if you're a hypocrite, just say, you know what, I'm I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. I apologize. That's actually a good thing. So I've not always been the witness that I should be. But we want to be salt in the culture. Another thing that salt does is it stimulates thirst. It stimulates thirst, doesn't it? They know this in the movie theaters. What is the deal with popcorn prices? You know, it's like, I want some popcorn. Okay, we have small, and it's like the size of a little Dixie cup. Okay. <laughs> Then we have medium. It, it's a small little tiny bag. And then we have large. It's like the size of a trash bag, you know. And, and so you buy large because it's a better deal, relatively speaking. And you go into the thing and you say, oh, can I, you know, I spent so much money. I have to finance this on the popcorn. Um, can I just get a little cup of water? And they won't give you a cup. You know, we can't give our cups out. <sighs> okay, I'll have a Coke. How much is that? A hundred dollars. Oh, I'm not buying the stinking Coke. So you go and you're eating the popcorn, it's salty. You go back, you buy the $100 Coke. Salt stimulates thirst. If we're living as we ought to, we will stimulate in others a thirst for Christ. One of the greatest compliments a Christian can have paid to them is when a non-believer has been observing you. And they say, you know what? I've been watching you. And there's something different about you. The way you work, the way you live, the way you treat your family. And you know what else? I know you're going through a hardship right now and I see that smile on your face and I think how much easier my life is than yours and yet you have this joy. I want to know what your secret is. Yes. You did your job. You've been salt. You've stimulated thirst. Let's look at a text together. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. This is a story of Paul and Silas in a Roman dungeon. Prisons are bad today, but man, prisons in the first century, hell holes. And why were Paul and Silas put in prison? Because they preached the gospel. And they were put under the control of a Roman guard that was especially cruel. We read in Acts 16 verse 23, they were severely beaten and they were thrown into prison and the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So he took no chances but put them into the inner dungeon and he clapped their feet in the stocks. But around midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. Did you get that? They've been beaten. They've been whipped. They've had their legs fastened in stocks, spread apart to cause excruciating pain, put in the most unsanitary, horrific environment imaginable. And at midnight, Paul and Silas started singing praises to God. 
And the other prisoners were listening. And by the way, this phrase, others were listening, could be translated, they listened with pleasure. You ever hear a song on the radio and you listen with pleasure? This is my favorite song. You turn it up. Or a worship song. Oh, I love that. I love that. I want to hear that again. They were listening with pleasure. I don't know if Paul and Silas were doing like a little two-part harmony, you know. Probably not. <laughs> Just that they were singing songs to God at midnight. And uh, a mighty earthquake comes. Shakes the foundations of the prison. The walls come crashing down. All the prisoners are free. The Roman soldiers see what's happening. He pulls out his sword, his short sword, used uh, for close-up personal contact and battle. And he's ready to pierce it into his body because the penalty for losing a prisoner was death. He thought, I might as well just kill myself right now. He's ready to thrust his sword into himself. And Paul stops him and says, Stop. Don't kill yourself. We're still here. How easily Paul could have said, Go ahead and kill yourself, you dog. After the way you treated us. Paul didn't say that. Because Paul used to be Saul. And Saul of Tarsus was one of the most violent men who ever lived. He hunted Christians for sport. He enjoyed torturing them and executing them. So he knew what cruelty was all about. And he thought, hey, if God could reach a cruel guy like me, he can reach a cruel guy like that. Don't kill yourself, he said. We're still here. And I love what happens next in the story. Acts 16, verse 30. So this hardened jailer could not believe his ears or his eyes. He was so moved by this and the powerful testimony of Paul and Silas rejoicing. Before this, he was ready to believe there right on the spot. And he said, what must I do to be saved? Guess what just happened? They earned the right to preach the gospel by the way that they lived. And that's what we need to do. We need to earn the right to get the audience. We need to earn the right to start the conversation. But here's the key. Once you've earned the right, make sure you have that conversation. Because sometimes we just drop the ball here. We like live the life. We're godly people. We're a fantastic representative of Jesus. And someone asks us, so what, what's, what's, what is it about you? Well, I just believe in good, wholesome family values. Really? That's lame. You believe in the Bible. And Jesus Christ has come and changed your life. And that's why you have this new value system. Don't chalk it up to family values. Tell them what you really believe. Pastor Greg Laurie, helping us approach our personal evangelism efforts strategically and appropriately. Good insight today on A New Beginning from the series called Tell Someone. If you missed any part of today's study called The Gospel is Only Good News If It Gets There on Time, you can hear a replay by going online to harvest.org. You can stream the insight while you're online or download an MP3 for later. Again, go online to harvest.org. Now, to take this help a significant step further, why not check out the online training course Pastor Greg has developed to coincide with this Tell Someone series. It's completely free. In this course, you'll receive a lesson per week, and it comes via email. And at the end of six weeks, you'll be better able to share your faith with confidence and with a firm grasp of the gospel message. Sign up for free today at harvest.org. And then we're so happy to make available an outstanding new book called Person of Interest by author J. Warner Wallace. Jim Wallace is a retired cold case detective, 
and he takes a look at the uniqueness of Christ the way an investigator would look at one of his cases, a case where there's no crime scene. It's fascinating, and it's a great tool for helping us tell others about Christ. You know, Pastor Greg, you've mentioned how some believers are reluctant to share their faith, but mm-hmm. at the very same time, they'll freely offer recommendations. You know, they'll yes, recommend yes. a movie or a right. restaurant or an auto right. mechanic. So why not recommend that people consider the Christian faith? Exactly. How would a resource like this book, Person of Interest, help in making that kind of recommendation? Well, let me tell you how it would have helped an 18-year-old Greg Laurie. I was a newly minted Christian. I heard the pastor say, go share the gospel. So I went out and I started telling people about Jesus. In fact, I ran into one of my old friends that I grew up with, and I was telling him about the Lord and what Christ had done for me. And suddenly some guy steps into the conversation. I didn't invite him to step in, but he came and barraged me with about four to five questions. I don't even remember what they were. But all I remember is I didn't have the answers. I was humiliated. I was embarrassed. Uh, my friend I was talking to didn't want to talk to me anymore. And I, I went home and I realized I've got to study and prepare myself to answer questions that non-believers ask. We need to be equipped. You know, the Bible says we should be able to give to every man an answer concerning the hope that is in us, but with meekness and fear. This is key. It's the way you deliver information. Sometimes Christians take data, information, facts that are all true, and they deliver them with a sledgehammer. Sometimes Mm. they say, put your gospel guns away. The objective is not to win the argument, it's to win the soul. The objective is not to burn the bridge, but to build the bridge. And if you want to win some, be winsome. Be a nice person. Don't be a know-it-all. Maybe you know a lot more than that person, but don't be the know-it-all. Uh, and take an interest in the person you're listening to, uh, the woman at the well. How easily Jesus could have just cut her off and said, give me a break. No, he listened to her. He engaged with her. He went back and forth with her. Same with Nicodemus. He took time for people. Hmm. And and I think it's very important to deliver this information with compassion. And Jay Warner Wallace is a former cold case detective. He knows what he's talking about. But yet he delivers this with great passion and clarity. So this is the book the 18-year-old Greg Laurie needed to equip him to share his faith with people he was talking to. And this is the book that you need. If you're 18 or if you're 80, you're going to learn as you read through it. It's, it is so well-researched. Footnotes galore at the end. But then what I love about it, because you're thinking, oh, this is some textbook. I don't want to get this. It's illustrated all the way through because Jim is an illustrator. He's a designer. So he's giving this to you in an understandable way so you effectively see it as well as read it. So this is a resource you're going to use time and time again, and we want to rush you a copy of Person of Interest by J. Warner Wallace. Yeah, that's right. It's such a fascinating read. You'll uncover facts and perspectives on Jesus you've never heard before, and it'll not only strengthen your understanding of the uniqueness of Christ, it'll equip you so well in sharing your faith. And we'd be glad to send you Person of Interest to thank you for your investment that we can put right to work keeping this programming coming your way. So get in touch today by writing A New Beginning, Box 4000, Riverside, California, 92514 or call 1-800-821-3300. That's 1-800-821-3300. Or go online 
to harvest.org. You know, sometimes we can't always make it to church, but here's the good news. Church is coming to you. It's coming to you on your TV screen or on your tablet or your computer or even your phone. We do it every weekend and it's called Harvest at Home. We have worship. We have a message from the Word of God. If you want to find out more, just go to harvest.org and join us this weekend for Harvest at Home. Well, next time, more practical encouragement for our personal evangelism efforts from Pastor Greg's series called Tell Someone. Join us here on A New Beginning. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to A New Beginning. This is a podcast made possible by Harvest Partners. So for more content that can help you know God and equip you to make Him known to others or to learn more about how you can become a Harvest Partner, just go to harvest.org.